we turn in the Word of God to Luke 23. Luke 23, reading the first 25 verses. Previous chapter, the Jewish Sanhedrin and high priest have condemned Jesus as being worthy of death. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests And scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man. Touching those things whereof ye accuse him, no, nor yet Herod. For I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast." And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city, and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them this third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. This far we read the word of God. I call your attention to the 24th verse of the chapter. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be 
as they required. Our text, beloved, speaks of the sentence that Pilate, the Roman governor and representative really of the world power of that day, passed on Jesus, the earthly judge, on him who is the judge of all, and before whom Pilate himself would stand. A sentence in all legal courtrooms follows a verdict. A verdict is the declaration of the judge that a man or woman is either innocent or guilty. And after the verdict is pronounced, an appropriate sentence must be administered. In the case of one who's guilty, there is only one sentence that is appropriate. He must go free. He has a right to all of the life and the liberty and the happiness of any innocent man. But in the case of one pronounced guilty, a sentence now must be given in accordance with the crime, a punishment that fits the crime. And so it's noteworthy that our text comes after four trials. The text is about a sentence. It comes after four trials of Jesus have made clear that he was innocent. There was, first of all, the trial of the Jews, and especially by the high priests. And the outcome of that trial was not a declaration of innocence, but a declaration of guilt. A condemnation that he's worthy to die, for he called himself the Son of God. He who is the judge of all, God in the flesh, and told men who he was, is condemned for speaking the truth. But of the four trials, that's the only one in which the verdict was guilty. And then you understand the verdict verdict was guilty according to the law of the Jews and according to a perversion and an injustice of that law. In the other three trials, it became clear that Jesus was innocent. The second trial was before Pontius Pilate, as we read of it in the early part of the chapter. And Pilate said very simply, I find no fault in this man. Then Pilate sent him to Herod, who, although he did not expressly declare, at least not in the words of Luke 23, that Jesus was without fault, nonetheless sent him back to Herod, saying, as it were, there's nothing worthy of death done by this man. And therefore the fourth trial was again by Pontius Pilate, who made the same declaration as before, the verdict is, I find no fault. The verdict is, He is innocent. And therefore, you would expect the text, if justice were carried out, to say that Pilate let Jesus go free. Even the suggestion that Pilate gave, as recorded in the chapter, that he would first whip him and then let him go was unjust. If a man has done no wrong, he may even be whipped or chastised. 
But the Jews insist that he die, that he be crucified, and Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. To you and to me, the injustice of it stands out. Indeed, I'll make that my second point this evening, the injustice of it. But now, instead of viewing this earthly courtroom from the perspective of men, where to view it from the perspective of the judge of judges, Jehovah God Himself, who governed every event in history and the events of this evening, that is, of, of the day recorded in Luke 23, to carry out His will. We confess, we did in Belgian Confession, Article 21, and we do also in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 15, that He suffered under Pontius Pilate. And the text indicates that that suffering was not just that he was condemned to death, but that he was condemned as an innocent man to death. And you ask the question, what was God doing? What was God saying? What was happening there at Calvary? That had your and my salvation as its goal. I call your attention to the text under the theme, Pilate's Sentence of Christ. First of all, a severe sentence. Secondly, an unjust sentence. And thirdly, an official sentence. Pilate's sentence of Christ, severe, unjust, official. It was severe. Pilate gave Christ a death sentence. This is what the chief priests and the people had required. Away with this man. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. In their minds, there was a certain righteousness to this. A false, a deceived righteousness. But the righteousness was that he was a blasphemer, for he said he was the Son of God. And the law of God required, read that in Leviticus 24.16, that one who blasphemed be put to death. And yet, that they have no ground to stand on becomes evident from the fact that the Jews realize they cannot themselves put this man to death. They need Pilate. And so they bring him to Pilate, and bringing him to Pilate cannot charge him with blasphemy. For that charge was against and in light of the Jewish law, the law of God, and Pilate could care nothing about the law of God. They must bring now an entirely different charge. And here's the charge they bring him. We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. The lies jump out at you. Never did Jesus forbid to give tribute to Caesar. To the contrary, he expressly taught, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And then saying that he himself is Christ a king. 
He expressly taught that His kingdom and kingship was not of this world. It's not a choice of Him or Caesar. But the people tried to convince Pilate that the man is worthy of death, and they have to make him look to be a threat to Caesar. As they do so, notice that they go beyond bringing an accusation. They go beyond taking the status of witnesses, and they assume to themselves the right of a judge. Pilate, we've judged the matter. Pilate, you should do what we tell you to do. Just do as we say. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed, and Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. There's an application. And just, I'll make it briefly, because it's certainly not the gospel or the main point of the gospel in the text this evening. But the application is that when you or I are witnesses or bear witness to the wrong another has done, we not falsify another man's words. And we not go beyond being witnesses and assume to ourselves the right of a judge. When Pilate then did as they required, he sentenced Jesus to death. And I say that that was a severe sentence. Especially what made it severe was the fact that there is now no possibility of re-evaluating. No possibility of Jesus appealing unto Caesar. Perhaps he didn't have that right anyway because he wasn't himself a Roman citizen. No hope of freedom. No hope of life. No hope of justice when Jesus was killed. And injustice was carried out, which on earth would never and could never be righted again. There's more to the severity of the sentence, though. It isn't just that the people demanded Jesus' death, but they demand his death by crucifixion. Crucify him! Crucify him! And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. Here, the evil and the hatred of the Jews comes to its fore. It isn't enough that this man get out of their way. That he be put out of their sight, as it were. He must be crucified. To be crucified was, on the one hand, a sign of being rejected by society. And on the other hand, a sign of being rejected by God Himself. Therefore, there was symbolism in the fact that a crucified man was put on a cross, and that cross lifted up off the earth. Of course, it was planted in the earth. But the man himself was neither on earth any longer, nor in heaven, as if to say, see, God doesn't want you, and neither do we. Because that was the significance of crucifixion, it was reserved for the worst 
of criminals. Indeed, it was a Barabbas and two others who were probably involved in the same sins Barabbas was involved in who were to be crucified that day. These men were a danger to society. These men had murdered. These men had raised an insurrection or rebellion against Caesar. These men must be killed, and crucifixion was an appropriate sentence. But now Jesus is put in their class, and indeed even in a class lower. For they are guilty, and therefore ought to be crucified. But he is innocent. And yet Pilate gives sentence that it should be as they require. Death by crucifixion also was a very painful and torturous death. It was a slow death. It wasn't enough that an arrow or a sword quickly end Jesus' life. That He die, but die without much suffering. No, say the Jews, He's inflicted suffering on us for three and a half years now. Let Him suffer a while and let us enjoy the sight. And behold it. And that too was part of the shame of crucifixion, death by crucifixion, that you stood exposed or hung exposed for all the world to see. The crime written over your head, and the men and the women, and the passers by, for the site of crucifixion was outside of the city near the intersection of major highways, the passers by from all countries could tell you, you're getting what you deserve. And that was the death that uh, Pilate sentenced Jesus to. You ask again, what about God? If the hanging of a man on a tree was a sign of accursedness in the sight of God, as the Old Testament law of Moses said it was. Did God then look on this son of his and say, yes, he is accursed? And the answer is, he did. And that brings us, and we'll do this in each of our three points, having set forth Pilate's angle, now come to God's angle. That brings us to God's angle. For in the severe sentence of Pilate, God was accomplishing His purpose that He had determined from before the foundation of the world. The Apostle Peter in the book of Acts 2 verse 23 and 4 verse 28 drives home the point again when he says to the Jews, you took a righteous man and you killed him, but God determined this. And so He did. That His only begotten Son be lifted up above the earth and not yet for a while come into heaven. That He be as it were rejected by society and that there be a sign that He was rejected by God Himself. That He be mocked, scoffed at, spit upon, whipped, and in every other way mistreated and maltreated. All of this God had ordained. Where Jesus Christ died as a substitute for you 
and me and all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We live in a day and age in which sin is denied, not just minimized, but denied. But in the face of those denials of sin and any minimizing of sin, you and I must remember how terrible, how heinous in the sight of God sin is. That the smallest transgression against the law of God, yea, the smallest thought of transgression against the law of God makes us worthy of being cast out of God's presence. Makes us deserve an eternity in hell. Causes us to rightfully bear the shame, the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. In other words, we deserve excommunication, a cutting off of all human and divine fellowship for our sins. And tonight we're to remember that the smallest transgression of the law of God makes us worthy of that. That is not injustice. On the part of God to say that for the merest thought that God is not fair, the merest thought that you or I would like to have what belongs to our neighbor, the merest thought that our father or our mother or someone else in authority over us are not being godlike in their use of the authority, the merest thought brings on us the wrath of God. But do you see that? If we don't see that tonight, then we'll only see in the sentence of Pilate, injustice and nothing more. But when we see that Jesus Christ went to the death of the cross because it's what I deserved, and He bore it in my stead. Then we see a grace, a mercy of Jehovah that's mingled with justice. A wisdom of Jehovah that knows how to carry out our salvation in the right way. The Jews, of course, don't see that, which you and I must see tonight. That the smallest sin makes them guilty of the wrath of God. No, they ignore it. In fact, they consider themselves very pious. They're not going to go into Pilate's judgment hall this evening, for tomorrow is the Passover. They will partake of that Passover. They are holy. They will dot their I's and cross their T's when it comes to outward obedience to the law of God. And they will ignore and forget that their hatred against Jesus Christ makes them worthy of the same death which they insist Pilate give him. But it was necessary, the going of an innocent man to the death of the cross, in order that he might make satisfaction. For sin. Which is to say, 
in order that He do everything that's needed for sin and sin's curse and sin's penalty to be born. What was needed? Well, if our sins bring on us guilt, and if guilt deserves punishment, and if the punishment is an everlasting punishment of body and soul in hell, then Jesus Christ must go to the death of the cross in His body and taste death in His soul. So that He do enough before the tribunal of Jehovah God that Jehovah might say of you and of me, there is no more punishment that you or I need to endure anymore. Christ has borne it all. And so He imputed to Jesus Christ our guilt. That's a legal term too. He took the guilt that was due to you and me And he declared it to be legally Christ's responsibility. He sent his son to the death of the cross. And his son died. Bore the agonies of hell so that he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And earned for us heaven. And a wise God to bring a righteous man to the death of the cross so that he can die for us uses a pilot and the Jews as his tools. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. It was a severe sentence. My sins made that necessary. Let's notice, secondly, the injustice of it. And here we'll do justice, or we'll do enough to set forth the innocence of Jesus. That's why it was an unjust sentence. Jesus was innocent. Pilate knew it. He declared it twice, in verse 4 and in verse 14. His wife's dream, of which Matthew speaks, had reassured him of the innocence of Jesus. He knew the real reason that the Jews delivered Jesus to Pilate was not that Jesus was a threat to society or even a a, a king waiting to take an earthly throne, but that the Jews were envious. And to show that he knew that Jesus was innocent, Pilate washed his hands. I know I'm doing what I shouldn't. But the guilt will not be on me, said that judge as he sentenced to death the one before he, whom he would stand himself in judgment. But it isn't just Pilate who knew that Jesus was innocent. The people did too. They had pretended to use the law to their advantage, but it was a pretense, it was hypocritical, and they knew it. They had to find false witnesses to bring an accusation of blasphemy against Him. We read in chapter chapter 22, verse 70, And when they said to Pilate, His blood be on us and on our children, they were saying, We know He's innocent. We know there's blood guiltiness on account of what we're doing tonight. We 
will take the blame. And there's one more person who knew that he was innocent, and that man's name was Judas Iscariot, who had said a little earlier, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. There are times in earthly courtrooms where a person is sentenced, found guilty of a crime, sentenced accordingly, yet they were innocent, but humans didn't know. It was a miscarriage of justice, but it was not an intentional perversion of justice by witnesses and by judges and by juries. Here, it is clearly different. Jehovah so causes the innocence of Jesus Christ to be known to all that not one person said he's getting what he really deserved. They could only say he's getting what we are so glad he's getting because we hate him. It was an unjust sentence of Pilate and the text indicates that. That it should be as they Required. What judge who's just says, the evidence to the contrary, I will do what you want. But that's what Pilate did. Evidently, he was more concerned with pleasing the Jews than with pleasing Jehovah God. And other scripture passages bear that out too. Mark says in chapter 15 that Pilate, willing to content the people, can read other history, I won't get into it in detail right now, to remember that the relationship between Pilate and the Jews was very shaky. That Caesar himself was not entirely happy with Pilate's conduct with regard to the Jews. And had warned Pilate accordingly, And therefore, Pilate is looking out for his own skin right now. He'll do what the Jews want. His skin mattered to him more than his soul. But also God governed this. Justice would be that Jesus Christ go free, but then there would be no salvation for you or for me. Then the only human who was himself Jehovah God in the flesh, and the only human who was innocent of any transgression, and the only human to whom the iniquity of Adam and Eve, original sin, was not imputed and did not cleave, that only human would not go to the death of the cross, but he must, and he must, as an innocent man. Now, If in the first point we contemplated briefly that Jesus Christ made satisfaction to the justice of God as our substitute, let's call to mind in this point His characteristics or His qualifications that made it possible for Him to do so. Truly God, truly man, but it's the third especially, perfectly righteous. He can save you and me because He was righteous. 
were Pilate to say he's guilty and then sentence him to the death of the cross would mean that he would not appear as a representative of you and me, himself perfect in the sight of God and therefore able to save. When Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required, God was again saying, I know the right way to save a people. But the whole world knew it. And that was part of God's will and plan as well. For every single person standing there who said, His blood be on us and on our children, must know their guilt. What we saw that they denied, they tried so hard to pretend wasn't true of them, in their outward conformity to the law of God, now comes out so clearly, it's the heart, beloved, it's the heart that matters, not the body only, not your outward conduct. Are you right with God in your heart? And not a one of us may say that on the basis of my own activity and conduct, I am. But every one of us must say that when I join in the world in despising Christ, In speaking evil sometimes of Him, my Lord and my Savior, in how He runs, in how He governs and directs my life. And I show thereby that though my outward life be ever so impeccable in conformity to the law of God, and in my heart, I'm depraved. And I stand before Christ condemned. He was innocent, not I. And so the Lord directs him to go to the cross. This is part of his suffering under Pontius Pilate, but a necessary suffering. An innocent man condemned to death. And you don't find another such anywhere in the world, do you? Other innocent men may have been condemned to death, but they were innocent only in terms of what the charge against them was. Bring a different charge, and you'd have to find them guilty too. But of Jesus, he was guilty of not one sin. And therefore, he is our only exclusive And complete Savior. There is salvation in none other. There can be salvation in none other. And you and I are called tonight to behold Him, the Son of God in the flesh, and to see in Him alone everything that was needed for our salvation, and to renounce any of our own efforts and to renounce any merits of any other human called a saint who has no merits, 
and to renounce any other creature as being able to satisfy the justice of God for us than to say, Christ alone, because He was truly man and perfectly righteous. What was unjust, Pilate's sentence, was just God's sentence was just. Thirdly, the text speaks of the sentence that Pilate gave as an official representative of the Roman governor and government. It was not just merely any man, and Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. This wasn't just the opinion then of another man. Well, he should die or well, he should not die. This was the only sentence that mattered. Such was the authority of Pilate as the Roman governor that only his word mattered. His word, I will let him go. And he would go. But when the representative of the Roman government condemned him to death, He must die. Now, there's something significant about Pilate being the governor of Rome. Beyond the fact that it was the official sentence then. We've to this point been focusing on the injustice carried out by the church of that day. The Jews of that day. But now the world shares in the guilt. Through Pilate, every single person being represented being represented by that man said he is guilty of death now we have to examine our own hearts again because it reminds us how deeply rooted sin is in us that we ourselves should exonerate ourselves and defend us when accused of sin but turn on Christ That's what humans do to Christ. That's what ungodly unbelievers do to Christ. That's what you and I would do to Christ by nature apart from the grace of God. From that, we have been delivered. And here again, the wisdom of God comes out. There was a time when the church wanted the world to keep out of it. They could take care of this Christ He was their own little problem. The Jews would see to it that he was killed secretly, not on the feast day, but we saw last, we saw recently that God overruled that. And then, not quietly, but publicly. For any man, woman, or child who wants to say that his or her, your or my sins, are not so great that we deserve eternal condemnation. Simply ask the question, what do you think of Christ? And the answer seals our doom. As it were. I don't think much of him. 
That's me by nature, you understand. That's not me, the regenerated child of God. That's me by nature. I don't think much of him. And then God will say to you and to me in the day of judgment, though you kept the law perfectly, your view of Christ is all it takes to condemn you to hell. And it comes out at this moment that the world hates righteousness. The world hates truth. The world hates holiness. The world hates innocence. The world loves sin, loves guilt, loves depravity, loves wickedness. It will kill a righteous man. So what's underscored at this point is the need for the salvation that Jesus Christ died to bestow. Your need, my need. We need one who would die on our behalf, but we need one who would die publicly, representing his elect. Is that now how you look at Christ? Instead of out of the power of your old man, look at him and say, I don't think much of him. Do you, with eyes of faith, with a heart that's been renewed by the Spirit of God, look at this one who died on Calvary's tree and the third day rose again and say, he represented me. He was condemned that I should not be condemned. He was innocent because I myself am not and cannot be innocent. He died that I might live in Him. And in Him alone is my salvation. Do you say that? God be thanked that in His wisdom He used means, the right means, to bring His Son to the death of the cross, then God be thanked that in bringing His Son to the death of the cross through such means, He caused you and me to see how sinful those means were. For Pilate will yet stand, the chief priests, the Jews will yet stand before Jesus Christ, and so will you, and so will I. And in that day in which we stand before the great judge, he'll say to some, verdict, guilty, sentence, hell. But to you and to me, verdict, righteous, sentence, heaven. Though my conscience grossly accuses me that I've transgressed all the commandments of God. He will declare me and my sins as having been covered in His blood. His righteousness imputed now to you and to me. And He will bring us to enter into heavenly joys and live with Him to all eternity. But filled with gratitude, Do you not already now live unto Him? Do you not already now, standing amazed at the death, at the curse He bore for you, say, that I will live unto Him, my Lord, my King, 
my judge. May God work that fruit of the death of Christ in our hearts. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, in Jesus Christ, Thou didst make satisfaction for our sins. And now we're reconciled to Thee, and Thy covenant of grace we experience and enjoy. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord, we have been saved. But it took a man sealing his own doom to do that for us. Who are we that we should be different? Sinners. Who are we that we should be saved? We thank and praise Thee for Thy mercies to us in Jesus Christ.